Who them boys? <laughs> exactly. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Pick and Chips. The NFL is motoring on towards the business end of the 2020 season and week 14 has given us plenty to talk about. I'm your host Nate and joining me for this week's action we have my co-host and the Bonnie to my Clyde, Alan Woods. Hey, how's it going? Good thanks mate, how are you? Yeah, good stuff. Another good week of football? Brilliant week, wasn't it? Hmm? Um, also joining me this week... And back for his self second helping is our resident Patriot fan, though we do try to not hold that against him, Dean Seeley. Hello. Figured out the mute button now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just about. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, right. Well, let's let's get straight into the action from this week. Um, so, week 14. Um, what a week. Uh, some insane games. Are we going to start with the best game, our game of the week? And... Well, I mean, potentially game of the season, game of the decade, game of the century. It was ridiculous. We've got the Ravens against the Browns. What do you boys make of it? Not game of the millennium. All century. All decade. It's very early in the decade. Maybe the year, though. Maybe this season. Um, yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it. it. I mean, for me, it started very flag-heavy. Um, and I wasn't really sure what to make of the game, uh, but it did definitely sort of grew into a bit of a brawl, really. And you know, it it matched the record for the most rushing touchdowns in a game, which is nine. Uh, for any of you listening who don't know that off the top of your head, I certainly didn't. Uh, and I always think that that would sound a bit boring if there's lots of rushing touchdowns, uh, not a lot of um, passing through the air. But it really wasn't. And you know, Lamar didn't throw much, but he did when he needed to. Uh, game-winning drive was all about going to the air, hitting Mark Andrews. And, um, you know, he, after his toilet break, my God, he could run. Changed his game. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, do you reckon he's been blocked up for the last few weeks? And that's why he's not had a, he's <laughs> not had a great, uh, great, great mid-season. Um, no, but 47 to 42 points. I don't think I've ever seen a game score that high. I'm sure there have been some. Um, I know that it's a unique score. It's ne- that score has never been recorded in the history of the NFL, which was interesting. Um, I just, yeah, the Hollywood Brown seems to be coming alive towards the business end after having absolutely no targets whatsoever. Um, ever since Alan dropped him from his fantasy team or traded them away. <laughs> um, You're welcome. <laughs> There's so much to unpack from this game. Um, I thought that the opening, the opening, opening drive from the Browns with the little trick play from Landry, um, throwing, throwing across the fields to Chubb, was interesting. Uh, it was a nice little play. Um, of course, they did fumble twice on the opening drive. Uh, managed to recover one, and one went out of bounds. Lucky Browns. Um, it was just Baker had good. Uh, Baker had a very good day, um, but recorded his first pick in six games. Um, I don't really know what to make of it. Just it's like two guys going into a, a ring 
and just beating the hell out of each other for 30 minutes and then someone taking a dump and coming out the victor. <laughs> Interesting thing just on those two um, fumbles, weren't they both Richard Higgins as well? So not only was it two, yeah. um, two of the same player as well, uh, which is pretty unusual. Dean, what do you think of the game? Yeah, it's good. I mean, what a watch, really, uh, sort of from beginning to end. Like like Nate said, like had trickery. Like when the guys needed to go through the air, it went through the air. But like, I mean, you know, Lamar's different gravy uh, with his feet, and and I think that that just shows again and again. Um, you know, I know the rest of the team for the Ravens have, have perhaps not hit stride at times, and that's what's seen them. You know, miss on a few few games now before this, but uh, but yeah, it's a, a great a great watch really, and I think for me the Browns the Browns still look good out of that even in a loss. Uh, I think their their def- their defensive front is is good. Miles Garrett is a uh, special. Definitely, and I think this game very much came down to who had the ball last one essentially. And when Kareem Hunt went over the plane with about a minute and three or something like that left, I thought, mm, was that wise? You know, we've, we've seen a few times this season people going down around the one, around the two to try and bleed the clock out. Um, you know, you've got two of the best uh, running backs in the league, probably top 15 in all the league, and you've got both, you've got two of them. Um, why wouldn't you just sort of go down, bleed some clock. Um, I get it. it's a risky strategy, but it could have um, you know, it could have really changed the outcome of the game. And of course, the scoregami only really happened because of the bizarre end, one of the worst lateral plays I've ever seen in my entire life, ending in a safety. Probably wasn't a scoregami until then, but you know, safeties no, are pretty rare. No, it wasn't a scoregami. It was... Um... Going into the fourth quarter, um, the chances of there being a score army was less than 10%. And then all of a sudden, stupidity occurs and a safety happens and you've got your score army. But it's just, I feel like the Ravens played uh, above themselves and the Browns, it's hard to say they played played within themselves at score after scoring 42 points. But the... Um, it wasn't a defensive day, was it? There weren't any, there weren't any great. Well, I mean, other than you know, weird things happening with safeties. It wasn't. It was there. There were no real standout defensive performances from on either side. Um, I don't really know. I don't. Really, I, I'm trying to work out how this changes the AFC North. Um, let's see how it impacts it. And I sort of, it doesn't really. I don't. I still don't. I still think the Browns are, are gonna. Oh, the Browns, the Browns could come in and steal it from the the Steelers. Unlikely, but it's not impossible. Um, the way the Steelers are dropping down all of a sudden, it, it's not completely impossible. Um, I the Ravens probably at this stage probably say they they they're gonna make a make the wild card. I'd be very surprised if they missed, which is exactly how we were going into the game. So yeah, I I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, there is a chance the Browns could leapfrog the Steelers. They do have to play each other week 17. That's a bit of a stormer. 
Um, big late, big late season game. Mm, yeah, um, and you know the Browns got to play the Giants. Resurgent, interesting game. I still probably expect the Browns to win, and they get to play the Jets. Whereas the Steelers do have to play your Colts, Nate, um, which could make it very interesting. Steelers also, I mean, Bengals Monday it should be them bouncing back, really. You can't really see any other going any other way. And uh, I mean, I'd be very surprised if it did, because I think that would probably cost them cost them the top of their division. Because, um, I mean, it's, it's only down if you're losing to the Bengals, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you lose to the Bengals, you it's it's only downhill from there. They're not a good football side. They um, obviously having lost Joe Burrow is a big Im- impact to them, but they're not a good footballing side, not a great side with him. But they they are a bad side without him. Um, let's move on. We're going to go into the Dallas game of the week, which is the Jets at the Seahawks, three points to forty, which is just uh, exactly as expected. No one thought the Jets were going to win this game. No one thought the Jets were going to run it close. The Seahawks did everything they needed to. Turns out, yes, a bad defence can absolutely steamroll a bad offence. I mean, both are probably historically bad, aren't they? Um, the, the, the Seahawks are dreadful on defence, but the Jets are the worst. Just the, the worst football team I've ever seen. It's an, they're an embarrassment, a full-on embarrassment. Um just quickly, I'm just going to run through this stat line quickly before you guys chip in. Um, the Jets managed 185 yards, um, 116 passing, 69 on the ground, one fumble lost, three sacks. The third down efficiency was just 33%, which is poor. Not the worst. Not the worst in the league this week, but poor. Um, Seahawks, 410 yards, 236 in the air, 174 on the ground. Pretty standard stuff, an ordinary, relatively ordinary day for them. Um, Wilson was sacked once, three one interception. Russell Wilson is the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to win nine plus games in his first nine seasons. That's a record. That's a very good record mm. there. Impressive. Yeah, the Jets have lost thirteen straight games, which is the longest streak in their history. Um, they've also allowed thirty plus points in all eight non-divisional games so far this season. Which is the longest streak since division the divisions were created in 1967, <laughs> and the Jets have scored on their opening drive in seven straight games, which is actually leading the league <laughs> at the mm. moment. They are the most potent offense, one drive in, and then it all goes. I mean that kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? The most potent offense in their opening drives, not not in games, just their opening drives. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, someone get them some Viagra. Yeah, I'm not sure if firing the defensive coordinator worked for the Jets based upon the stats this week and um, you know previous experience. I actually thought their defense was alright. Their defense is their defense was better than the offense. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I don't think they've fixed the problem. I imagine they'll be fixing the problem, which is realistically the head coach uh, at the end of the regular season. When you know there is like a there's like a Black Monday, isn't there in in football? Yeah. When all the yeah when all the coaches get fired, um, Adam Gase, I'd recommend not picking up the phone on that day. <laughs> the Broncos thirty-two, the Panthers twenty-seven. 
so a lot of away teams won this week, which was interesting. Um, but the Broncos are up by 15, sort of going into the fourth. The Panthers got it down to seven, and the Broncos scored again, and then the Panthers... You know, it, it was very back and forth in the fourth quarter. It was all uh, shaken up to be a good game. Uh, unfortunately, Teddy Bridgewater and his Panthers couldn't make a game-winning drive. But, you know, it was, it was a decent game, you know, high-scoring. Denver, uh, 365 yards of total offence, 269 through the air, and 96 on the ground with one fumble loss and one sack. Third down efficiency of 37%. Um, that's not, not great, but could be better. Um, Panthers, actually, more yards, 370, only by five, admittedly. Uh, 245 passing, 125 rushing. No fumbles and four sacks. Uh, Mike Davis actually had a pretty good day sort of in relief of CMC. That's not necessarily been a given in recent weeks. And their third down efficiency was 42%, so a little bit better. Um, but Teddy Bridgewater has now lost seven straight games as a starter. That's poor guy. Uh, I think he's better. I think the Panthers have been all right, but their record isn't yeah. great, is it? No, um, the Teddy B stat there surprises me a little bit. Um, mm. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate that he's not he's not a franchise guy, but he's he's a good he's I think he's a good quarterback. Um, in a pinch, so for him to have lost seven straight games is weird. Would you take him over Philip Rivers in Indianapolis, mate? If you'd have asked me week seven or eight, I'd have been biting your hand off for a bit of Teddy B. However. Philip Rivers has been pretty, pretty good for a few weeks now. Ever, mm-hmm. ever strangely, ever since he got his injury, he's actually throwing more accurately. The pocket, you know, there's a is a pretty solid pocket there in Indy. He's not getting sacked much. He's still getting a few hits, and he's probably getting more hits now than he was right at the beginning of the season. Um, but he's uh, he's not getting sacked. He's still got a decent amount of time in the pocket to find a pass, and he's finding them. But anyway, we're not talking about we're not talking about cults at the moment. So let's just <laughs> let's let's move on from that. Um, Dean, do you wanna do you wanna talk about our next featured game? Seeing as you've got plenty to say about it. All right. Well, Patriots then. Uh, Patriots at the Rams. Uh, three points to twenty-four. As as a fan, not a great watch for myself, as I'm sure you can both imagine. Um, Cam Akers just ran all over us. Uh, all, all, all night. Uh, I mean, the O-line issues for the Patriots rearing their head again. It's, uh, it's been... So I can't really say anything other than it's been rough to watch. Um, <laughs> defensively, we've been good this season. Um, it's it's on offence where, where the issues have, have remained, uh, but they couldn't stop a nosebleed against these Rams. And, uh, and yeah, it's... Cam Newton was was pretty pretty bad as he's continued to be. Yeah, I just, the main thing for me for this week is how is it possible for the Patriots to go from blowing out the Chargers forty five to nothing? I know that score's a little bit a little bit misleading because it was a very big special teams day, right? Neither the offense or the defense. Was, well, I mean, the defense had a good day, but like. They weren't firing. The, the, the Chargers just weren't at the races that, that day. It wasn't like the Patriots were incredible. The Chargers were sh- shocking. And the Pats just um, capitalised, right? How is it possible to go from 45 to nothing against the Chargers 
to get absolutely stumped by the by by the Rams. What what's gone? What what went wrong there? Is it a hangover? Is it just a hangover from last week, or is there is it symptomatic of a deeper problem? I think it's definitely a deeper problem. Um, I mean, as you said, last week was a huge special teams effort, uh, and I mean defensively, I think there were times where it was down to the Chargers and their time management. Uh, there were times when it was down to the defense stepping up and making a play, but generally speaking, it's it's just the offense that's so difficult to to get going at the moment. I think an interesting thing about the Rams, which you know, you know we've touched upon in previous weeks, is they're quite a, a quirky offense. You know, they're quite gimmicky. Um, you know, they'll they'll put uh, not gimmicky, but the um, gadgety. That's the word I was looking for. And you began with the G. Um, you know, they'll do a lot of gadget plays, you know, they do a lot of jet sweeps and they they absolutely love a screen, um, tie-in screens as well as uh, running back screens. And I just think they're, they're just a bit different to a lot of the other teams in the league. And I think for, when they play some teams, it just doesn't work, but other teams they play against and it really does. And I think some teams maybe just don't know how to quite adapt to that. And I'm not sure the Patriots adapted to it as well as, other teams have against the Rams this season. Yeah, I think again, like I mean, defensively, like you say, seeing different things from from any team will always will always catch them off guard. Uh, but like you say, with the Rams, it's not it's not necessarily how different they are. It's kind of the amount of different things that they can do. Uh, I think is that just catches a number of people. Uh, but when, I mean, if your defence isn't at the races, then you probably aren't going to win a game because you're going to spend the whole time chasing. I was going to say that the Rams, in a lot of their wins, seem to start very well. I remember week one, they played the Cowboys uh, back when I had optimism about this team. And they just blew the doors off the Cowboys like, OK, there was no preseason for anyone, but it looked like half the Cowboys team was still on the Sun Lounges. And these games where they start well, they've got, you know, real diversity in their backfield. Um, you know, Cam Akers, obviously, we talked about Dean, and he seems to have taken the lead now. Um, but before that, you know, Henderson, more than capable, uh, as well as, um, you know, the other backs they've got there. So um, Malcolm Brown, for example. So I, I just think that they're a hard team to claw back against if you let them get off to an early advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, for me, obviously, as as a Patriots fan, it's it's always hard to watch your quarterback get picked off on a on a screen pass, which you know was heavily inaccurate as a screen pass. Um, so if you can't if you can't pass it almost laterally, you know, I, I think you're always going to be in trouble in a game, um, and just not getting it done again and again at the moment. The Patriots in in almost any any facet of their of their offense, um, it's just I, I keep saying it, but it's difficult to watch. And you know, for me, I think I don't see Cam getting an extension in New England at all. And um, personally, I, I think if and when the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence, I'd love to see us in for someone like Sam Darnold. You know, that tall, sort of big-bodied pocket passer, and um, obviously, sort of in a in a Brady mould, if you will. Uh, Bill Belichick's got P. 
pieces to make a move like that, I think. And, you know, then it, we can concentrate on actually adding receiving weapons. Um, you know, Jacoby Myers is, is not going to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, Nikhil Harry is not going to win you a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, at the moment, they're not even going to win us, win us the AFC East. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's pieces to be added. And uh, I'd love to I'd love to see that move made in the off season. Do you think it's likely that the Jets will allow them to go to a such a rival? Um, I would. I, I'd quite like Sam Darnold to come to Indy. Um, I think he's exactly what rival is an interesting for. choice of words when you're comparing the Patriots and the Jets. To me, they're operating on completely different frequencies. Well, rivals rivals for fourth place in the division. <laughs> yeah, but. The Jets are a non-factor, but divisional rivalry is a divisional rivalry. If if the Colts if the Colts win out from here on in and go and win the AFC South, and then go to the Texans or the Jags and say we want this dude, do you think they're going to trade them? If are they, they if they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence because they think he's significantly better than Sam Darnold, I don't think they would be worried about letting Sam Darnold go to the Patriots. That's a, that's very much my thought process. I would be surprised if they trade him somewhere. That they're going to play him two or twice a year. Right, let's let's move on from uh, the uh, crapshoot that is the Patriots. Um, next up, we've got uh, Washington football team uh, against the Forty Niners, which was uh, the football team won twenty three points to fifteen. Uh, it's it's another game where the seemingly dominant team, the one dominating the ball, has lost. Um, Washington just had had just 190 yards, um, 93 yards, sorry, on uh, and nine points on offense. Um, it was really a defensive win here. Chase Young returned a fumble for a touchdown, and then Mullins threw a pick six uh, to Curl, who ran the ball 70 side, 76 yards to the house. Um, and quite interestingly, it was the first time two rookies scored a defensive touchdown since the 1970 merger. merger. Uh, Alan, I, I imagine you've got strong feelings on Washington at the moment. How do you how do you see them at the minute being? And a fair play rival? to them, to be honest. You know they've been, you know, a bit on and off the field, a bit of a laughing stock for a number of years, and you know they're taking advantage of what we all know is a poor NFC East at the moment. Uh, obviously, they also had some turmoil in this game, losing Alex Smith. So I think it's a calf injury. Although it's uh, precautionary that he was taken out of the game, and they said that he could go back. They did stick with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, fair play, Dwayne Haskins guided the ship home <laughs> on this one. Um, but, you know, we talked just then about franchise quarterbacks. He's not someone that's feeling like a franchise quarterback at the moment. Um, yeah, you know, they've put themselves in a good position to lead the way all the way to the playoffs uh, <laughs> from the NFC East. I, um, I saw a suggestion that... Uh... The the Washington football team's coach, whose name is evading me right this second, Ron Rivera. Yeah, um, he he's looking like a good candidate for uh, coach of the year, and it's not an awful shout from where he's where they started to where they are. No, at. I don't think so. I I think any any team you can turn around uh, from from sort of where they were, you know, first through sort of the first five games of the season, you you've got to be you've got to be looking at at the coach. To begin with, um, I know they've got, like I say, you know, defensive stud in Chase Young, who who sort of turned into a bit of a game wrecker 
even from you know playing linebacker in a in a few plays in the in Sunday. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with it too much. Um, I mean, there would obviously be other candidates, but I certainly wouldn't argue it too much. Also, he has been diagnosed with cancer during this season as well. Shoe in then, well, really? Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't give the award to someone who hasn't had cancer this year, can you? Well, I won't be giving it to Mike McCarthy. Uh, yeah. So next up, uh, Steelers at the Bills, uh, fifteen points to twenty-six. Uh, another bad day at the office for Pittsburgh, really. Um, Deontay Johnson picked Big Ben for a fifty-one touchdown, a poor short pass. Um, Steelers third down efficiency was just 10% for the day which season low uh, for especially for a team who's been flying previously uh, squandered possession repeatedly in situations you just wouldn't expect a team with their record to do so um, and Josh Allen who just looking better and better as the weeks go on really now is the most defensive touchdowns in a single season in Buffalo history just about in there, it was Taron Johnson. Deontay Johnson's on the Steelers offense. Way too much Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that name was in there in my head for a reason. <laughs> he was in the game. Uh, yeah, Buffalo also benefiting from Stefan Diggs being on target for a career year. Um, he now has 1,167 yards and five touchdowns from 100 receptions. Uh, yeah, it's um, Stefan Diggs has had a good year, hasn't he? Um... He's, I think he's. I think this is his most yard. It's yards on the season. He needs four, uh, five touchdowns to 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 have the most of his year. Which you know, we're we're three thirteen. Well, he's three thirteen games at the moment. So regular season, he's still got three games to get five touchdowns. It's not unheard of. And for someone playing at the level that he is, could easily happen. Um, but the big part of Diggs is just helping them get down the field. He's not necessarily scoring the points but he's getting them down the field very well. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, he was a real standout this week. You know, at the beginning of the second half, it was really sort of nip and tuck between the Steelers and the Bills. And, you know, for, on that first drive in the third quarter for the Bills, Stefan Diggs had four receptions, uh, two of which went to went for a first down. And the final one being a 20-yard reception where he had to do a lot of the work turned it into a touchdown so you know he's just someone that Josh Allen clearly trusts I didn't think that he was someone that could lead a team uh, like this or from what we saw in Minnesota you know quite boom or bust most weeks maybe it was Kirk Cousins maybe it was a system maybe it was a bit of both but yeah he's definitely flourished in this offense this season and you know this could be a really interesting partnership for years to come yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, he, uh, I think I was in the same position when I saw him go over to Buffalo. I was like, oh, is he a, is he a guy to build your wide receivers around? Well, probably not. He's proven us wrong, and he's been very impressive so far in Buffalo. Now we're going to cover the Cowboys, who put up 30 against the Cincinnati Bengals 7 in Cincy. Um, oh, the Cowboys are back, right? Who them boys? <laughs> exactly. Uh, how bad are the Bengals? You know, they they are really, really struggling now. I already touched upon briefly before about 
losing Jordan Burrow, you know, it looks like a completely different side. Uh, one of my favourite moments was uh, the fumble from Trayvon Williams. And that's definitely a name I had to look up because I think before today, that game, uh, he was the four-string running back. Not really sure why he's leading the backfield all of a sudden. Um, I know Joe Mixon's obviously out, but a bit strange. Uh, the fumble... I can tell you why he was in there leading. Because uh, after... Gio Bernard uh, fumbled for the first time in 830 consecutive snaps. They benched him immediately, which is savage. Good confidence builder. Um, and he followed it up by fumbling, by running straight into the left tackle's elbow. Uh, you know, the, the commentators were like, oh, look, he's been double teamed there. And on the slow-mo, they went, oh, no, he's just running into the left tackle. Uh, pretty embarrassing, really. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people were worried about that were Cowboys fans was with Mike McCarthy coming in is that he's not traditionally good at doing a sort of ground and pound type system, you know, which is something that the Cowboys have been leaning on Zeke for a number of years now. And, you know, he's continuing to have low yardage each and every week. Admittedly, Tony Pollard's probably getting a little bit more work than he has done in the past together. It's sort of made up an average day on the ground. Um, but in general, the Cowboys had less yardage than the Bengals uh, by about 30, which is strange considering the point differential was 23. Um, and only 171 yards through the air from Dolson. I guess if there's any sign of life for the Bengals, uh, AJ Green is back all of a sudden. He hadn't had a catch in three weeks, came back, Score a touchdown. Yeah, I mean that is that is pretty much the only benefit, the only the only positive here for the Bengals, um, other than the fact that their record is pushing them down the draft, well up the draft order. In fact, um, that's the only positive here. Getting a better better pick position. Um, the Cowboys' um, defense stepped up as well today, uh, today on Sunday, a little bit. Um, and had only their fifth defensive touchdown since 2016, which is tied for the fewest in the league in that period. Yeah, Alden Smith actually scored his first touchdown ever. Um, admittedly, he's been out of the league for five years, uh, but still, you know, good for him. Um, and I did see a fantastic stat, actually, on the UK Dallas Cowboys fans group on Facebook. For anyone that is a Cowboys fan and follows that, they do some great work, podcasts and things like that. No. Absolutely, no one then. <laughs> um, and the stat that I found amazing was that uh, if there's a goal-to-go situation against the Cowboys, it almost, almost turns into a touchdown on every occurrence. So on 23 of 26 goal-to-go situations, the Cowboys have relinquished a touchdown. So if you're getting the Cowboys bounce up into their own area on defense, it's, you know the hit rate is in the 90%. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why this team's struggling. And even though you say they, they had a decent week this week, yeah, they had a decent week, but look who they're playing against. They still relinquished another touchdown to AJ Green in that sort of situation. And and again, to sort of further on that, I say with on the other side of the ball, there, there's some cracks beginning to appear in, in what over the years has been an exceptionally good O-line. And I think they gave up gave up the first first sacks in three games, which is which is 
you know, sort of pretty good in itself. There are a number of sort of better quarterbacks in better teams that have taken far, probably far more sacks than uh, than Andy Dalton's had to. And he just looked under pressure at times as well. And, you know, I don't know, do you think that's sort of part and parcel of the season that you've had generally? Um, yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, I think I had fairly high expectations for him as a backup. And, you know, I think he's shown why he's sort of fallen out of favour and no longer being considered a starter, an automatic starter in this league. Yeah, he does get pressure from times and, you know, he can move out of the pocket a little. You know, he's not a Philip Rivers by any stretch of imagination or um, a Brady. But, yeah, he's definitely not the most elusive. And I think he just gets flustered too much. I think... Uh, not so much this week, but the week prior. I can't even remember who the Cowboys played because I've tried to black it out of my brain. Um, oh, Washington. Um, you know, you touched upon Dean. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dean, you touched upon quarterbacks doing terrible screen passes. And yeah, that, that was typical of he was pressured screen pass inside the 20, his own 20. Uh, and literally all the... Uh, defensive end had to do was essentially sort of reach up, catch the ball and just walks into the end zone. So, yeah, he just gets flustered far too easily. And I think that's where he doesn't necessarily elevate those around him. Whereas I think Dax probably got to the point where he is doing that now. And you can see that in the stats. Amari Cooper's, you know, I would hate to see what this Cowboys offense would look like without Amari Cooper this year. Dreadful. Yeah, no, it wouldn't wouldn't be going anywhere, would it? Um, Amari is the lad in Dallas um, and understandably so he's a I think honestly he's an exceptional talent that maybe hasn't fulfilled the uh, the hype he had pre-draft um, but who who can be surprised being drafted onto a rubbish Raiders team at a time and then going to a a Dallas team falling apart it can't be it can't be that much of a shock um, I just want to touch on the Bengals very quickly um, with a stat that when I first read, I was a little bit surprised with, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, of course they are. Um, but the Bengals now have the worst win percentage since the start of the 2019 season. It's at, it's at 0.155. It's almost as... It's, they've won 15% of their games in a two-year period. It is unbearably bad for someone who isn't a Bengals fan to, to see that. How ridiculous ridiculous is that stat yeah crazy and they have two two of their last three games they're probably going to lose as well so it's got to... oh yeah yeah it's, it's going to drop down below 10% before the end of the season yeah uh, what, so one last thing on the Bengals um, they lost their quarterback Brandon Allen who's obviously standing in for Sean Burrow uh, he actually had a decent game 27-36 and a touchdown you're in Stevenage mate oh yeah <laughs> I was thinking I am, yeah. I am, yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow. Too many Burrows. The less said about Stephen is yeah. better, please. Too many Burrows. Too many Burrows. Too many Johnsons. Um, yeah, he had, you know, he had a, a fairly decent game, 27 to 36, 217 yards, out through Dalton. Um, and, you know, you probably most people would argue there's less weapons on the Bengals team than there is on the Cowboys team. So um, I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. But with Finley starting, I think that, puts the Bengals back even further each and every week for the rest of the season. 
Thank you. Well, yeah, uh, I'm not even going to bother chucking in on that. I think you're absolutely right there. Um, but we're going to move on to the Titans winning 31 points to 10 in Jacksonville. Um, and we're not really going to talk much much about the game. There's not a lot to talk about. Did we? Did anyone expect Jacksonville to win? Nope. On NFL Pickens this week, they had 0% um, of people picking them, which is just completely accurate. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we're given our Player of the Week awards, which is a new award that we're not really talking about until we're talking about it right now. Um, we're giving the Player of the Week awards to Derek Henry. Um, I hate, I absolutely hate that he's in Tennessee because what an absolute stud that man is. 200 yards for a single player is proper madness. When it's all on the when it's and when it's all in the grounds, that's also insane. Um, Henry's actually the first player in NFL history to have multiple 200 yard rushing games against multiple opponents, both of whom are Houston and Jackson. He's put he's put four, over 400 yards up against both of them this year. Jacksonville didn't stand a chance against this rolling behemoth. Nice word, Steam. There, I've stolen it from you. Um, and he just went, he just went off, which is completely expensive. Um, I think the only real positive in a difficult afternoon for Jacksonville was that James Robinson continued his good form. Um, he's now got the most scrimmage yards for an undrafted rookie with one hundred and thirty, well, sorry, one thousand and thirty-five yards on the season. Um, he looks a real, real talent. Um, and again, what a shame he's in Jacksonville. I feel I. I used, I used to get annoyed that these players had gone to places, but I just feel sorry for them now. I mean, less so sorry for Derrick Henry because the Titans are now a good team. But like, likes of Burrow or likes of Trevor Lawrence who's going to end up in, in in New York. Why? Why? Why waste that man? Please, Trevor, say no and have them trade you to somewhere good. You deserve better. You deserve much better than that absolute steaming pile of rubbish. And it's the same for James Robinson. I think he's a real, real quality player. And we said that we've, we've, me and Alan have touched on it a couple of times in the past that players don't stick around in Jacksonville for very long. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does the same. Um, it's got to be a matter of time before he's traded away to somebody who has aspirations for the, uh, for the post. Yeah, I mean, players like that always obviously want to play with better players. And, and I suppose. It depends on where Jacksonville or who Jacksonville end up drafting. Um, I mean, to pull someone like Fields actually gives gives some someone to throw to him. Um, might be a might be a better look for them going forward. But uh, but only time will tell, really. I don't necessarily think he'll be traded away this off season. I think he would uh, want to. I know a few, probably a few yeah. years. Probably a few years, but they, every player reaches a point in their career where they're like they've had enough and they want to move on to somewhere that's competitive. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. See Jalen Ramsey. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so going on to the next game, uh, we've got the Cardinals twenty-six at the Giants, who scored a lowly seven. Um, again, not really much on the game itself, uh, just more. More our unlikely hero of the week. Um, five, five sacks and three forced fumbles from uh, Hassan Reddick uh, in a game. You know, it's, it's pretty good going for a, a whole defense. Um, Absolutely was, ridiculous. 
<laughs> I wondered if you were going to crowbar that in. Of course. <laughs> uh, those stats are good going, like I say, for any defence, uh, you know, across across our game, um, and for it to come from one one guy, you know, he's he's completed that task on his own of just disrupting in the opposition's passing game completely. And twenty six year old you know, performance more than helped the Cardinals see off pretty dismal Giants offence. Um, and on you know on the other side of that in the game in general uh, for the cards if if Kyler's Kyler's running if he's getting those legs going then they usually win uh, they had a bit of a three game three game slide a couple of weeks back and yeah and that was all all off the back of sort of him remaining in the pocket really and um, and he you know like I say it was kind of back to back to form this weekend gets the legs going and they they get another win. And it seems to have shaken off that, that shoulder injury. And um, is this a return to form for quote Hale Murray trademark? <laughs> um, I think there's a good chance he's back to some sort of form. Um, he definitely seems to have shaken off that injury. Um, he looks really good. Uh, back to back to his usual self, I think. Or you know, maybe not back, but getting getting back to his usual self. Um, I have literally nothing else to say about this game other than Harrison Reddick was fantastic. Um, so let's move on to the Chiefs Dolphins, Alan. Yeah, sure. So uh, Chiefs thirty three, Dolphins twenty seven. I think there's a lot, quite a lot of hype about this game in advance. Obviously, the Chiefs always bring a bit of hype anyway, but the Dolphins, their standout has been their defense this season. And, you know, they had a lot of acquisitions in the off season. Uh, some of which then opted out due to COVID reasons, but you know they've been able to negate that and get around it. Um, also, with Tua coming in as their number one pick, you know a lot of excitement around him for Dolphins fans. But this one, the scoreline is slightly misleading. It didn't paint the picture of a six-point game, and the Chiefs had this wrapped up and sort of felt on the back foot for quite a while. Um, the Dolphins are really struggling with injuries now as well. Um, I think Devonta Parker went down this week as well. Their backfield has been already littered with injuries. You know, people that you'd never heard of at the beginning of the season that were carrying the team. You know, Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, um, you know, Jordan Howard got cut. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're sort of really struggling for injuries. And then um, I think one of the plays of the game was around um, Mike Kaziki again. Um, had a really great game, but he's now looking like he's going to face some time on the sideline as well. So I'm a bit worried about the Dolphins going forward. Uh, no real worries for me for the Chiefs. I still think they're pretty electric, even though you disagree, Nate, and I, I can see him going maybe not all the way, but a lot of the way. Yeah, I th- I, you know, I think as you as you said, their their defense, Miami defense, has, has just been so consistent. I mean, another another three sacks this week, recovered a fumble. I mean, you pick off any quarterback three times, and generally you know, you'd expect to win, but uh, but not not against Patrick Mahomes and those mega weapons he's got. And um, yeah, for them on offense, like 300 yards for two or again, I think is is pretty good. It's nice to sort of see him settling into into that offense, really. And I know you, I know you say sort of the Chiefs had everything under control, but it, it just seemed 
like there were occasions there was a couple of a couple of drops or a couple of missed interceptions that you know could have turned the pressure up on them and and I think you know I know you, you alluded to the injury but that's that he's taken now but what's Gasicki been eating the last few weeks because the guy has got to be the the best tight end behind Travis Kelsey at the moment in the league right uh, I'd say Darren Waller probably is, but he's not far off. Yeah, I'd probably take Waller as well. But um, yeah, uh, top three, definitely. Um, I mean, if this game this game for me, um, unlike Alan, kind of just, it le- again, it le- leans into everything I've been saying about the Chiefs for a few weeks now. Um, I mean, it was a 10th straight road game win, which is the longest streak in their history. And, I'd be surprised if it's not far off the longest streak in the NFL full stop. Um, teams don't often win lots of road games um, in a single season. Well, maybe not all of the road games in a single season, and, and uh, the Chiefs are certainly heading that way. But this win was sloppy. Um, it was another one-score game, and, and while this overall score doesn't always tell the full, the, the, the show the full picture, I think it actually does here. Um, Howard, Xavier Howard had another pick, which is his uh, fifth consecutive game with a with a pick, um, which is why, which is crazy, really. Um, people need to stop throwing the ball near him. Um, he's on he's on he's on nine for the year already, um, which again is 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 a number a lot of teams a lot of players will aspire to full stop for the season, and the guy's got three. Three games left. Um, there's teams out there that haven't had nine interceptions total, surely. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if some, someone at like the Bengals or the Jets are stuck on two or three at most. Um, Mahomes, Mahomes is still, regardless of how I feel about Kansas, um, Mahomes is still a stud, isn't he? He's now surpassed 4,000 um, passing yards for the third time in four years. The only other quarterbacks to manage this in history are Dan Marino and Peyton Manning. You know, it's incredible company to be keeping. Um, I said last week that the difference between KC being contenders and dropping out of the wild hard round of Mahomes, um, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and I stand by it. Um, they've got a bit of a feel. They have a bit of a feeling of like a sort of Alex Ferguson Man United team. Um, he 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 often, he built his teams around work like proper workhorses. You know, like players that weren't incredible, like Darren Fletcher, Michael Carrick, um, those types of players where they would give everything to their team to allow the stars to really shine and, and, and elevate them. And that's exactly what's going on in KC. Um, they're a good team elsewhere. They, they look like a team that is completely beatable, but just doesn't lose very often, which is exactly how I looked at Alex Ferguson's Man United for many years. Obviously, there were times when they were insanely good, and they, you know, they'd win three Premier League titles in a row. But often, Ferguson's United teams weren't a lot better than their opponents. They were just, like, just good enough to 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 do the job. Um, and that's exactly what's going on in KC here. I still maintain if you lost even maybe one of the two, one of those three, it's, they'd they'd look they'd look a little more shaky than they do. Yeah, I mean they're the, they're their stars, so I can't disagree with that. 
but based upon that contract that Mahomes recently signed, doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. I think with him, you know, they've got a chance to win a lot of games, even if they're not necessarily top of their division, um, probably the top half of their division. Uh, just before we move on, I've done a quick stat check, and Howard has more interceptions than nine teams total. I wasn't expecting that number. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Christ. I mean, nine teams. Yeah. Are there any surprises in there? Are there any teams that are surprising surprising to be below them? Because, I mean, like, Jacksonville, Jets, um, uh, Bengals, Panthers, maybe. I wouldn't, Pan- wouldn't surprise me. Panthers Broncos. are in there. Broncos are in there. Texans only have three. Um, the the, the yeah, Cowboys never really have many. They're on five. Eagles are on four. Um surprising ones I guess the one that surprises me the most is the Ravens because I think people sort of have bigged up their defence last year last year their defence was was top tier yeah yeah I mean they're they're, they're a good side full stop regardless of whether they have a good offence and a good defence a good side full stop for for them to have less um, interceptions than a single player I mean there's if they've only had how many did you say five on the season, the Bengals. Uh, sorry, the Ravens. Ravens. Uh, they've had eight. Eight. Okay. There's gonna. There's, there's probably gonna be a few. A few players that they're that that they're sort of even with. Then, but that's. Haven't that's they played mad. every team in the NFC East? And they've only got eight. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. Ugh. Moving on. Uh, yes, yeah, so moving on. Uh, Vikings fourteen twenty six Buccaneers. Uh, both teams over 300 yards this weekend. Uh, Tampa going through the air and the Vikings really sort of pounding it on the deck. Um, Tampa defence won this one, really. Uh, they just got to Cousins a lot, sacking him six times, forced two fumbles, uh, one of which they managed to recover. Um, their sort of run-heavy defence, the, uh, the Vikings tried to control the clock but just couldn't get their offence firing. Um, would have been a different game at uh, the Vikings and Dan Bailey not missed three field goals and an extra point uh, instead of being there six, six, oh. instead of him down uh, six points to 14 and a half, uh, the game could have been 13 to 14 um, and you think, you know, if he's not missed those points, maybe the uh, the rest of the game would have gone very differently Yeah um, with with Bailey missing all those points, it's, it's really where the game's gone there He's had an absolute mare of a season, hasn't he? Dreadful. I picked him up against the Cowboys because I was like, oh, I, I mean, Alan mentioned it on that on that week's episode. It's a revenge game. Let's 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 get him in. Let's get him scoring points. And I think he got I think he got one point like what day that day. And I think that's his biggest score since then on fantasy. Dreadful. Stop. Just drop him. You've got to drop him. Bring someone else in. His confidence is gone. His legs gone. Get somebody else in. I think the strange thing about kickers, and I know we really don't talk about kickers very often, but I think one of the strange things about kickers is this, this sort of assumption that there are decent kickers that are always out there and available. And I think over the past few years, it's really shown that that is not the case. Uh, I mean, Adam Vinatieri's in yeah. available. He's not the Lead, no, the leading, um, the leading point scorer in NFL history. He scored more points than anybody else. Full stop. Yeah, but I mean, just I mean, <laughs> there's there's lots of sports where people are the leading scorers, but you probably wouldn't necessarily pick them up to start on it on any given Sunday. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you know, you, 
No, it was a very ridiculous <laughs> shout of me to mention well, yeah, men- yeah. mention him. He's not retired. He's not officially retired, but he don't play for anyone. So technically, the league's retired him. I guess. Not like not like Copernic at all, but kind of like Copernic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at Chicago and um, the Chargers in recent years. They've gone through a whole load of kickers. They go, oh yeah, we'll just get another one in, just get another one in, and it's been um, pretty poor from then. And yeah, I, I mean, like. like like the Titans bringing in a FedEx driver to punt for them against the Colts. That works really well. Yeah, I mean, they're another team that um, I've got sort of a player that seems a bit washed up kicking in, Gostowski. So, um, you know, he's had some terrible games as well this season. So, yeah. He's had, he's, he's had some very he's solid had some absolute games. Horrors. There was one game, I can't think who it was against, but he he missed so many that they just started going for two-point conversions every touchdown. Uh, as a as a Pats fan, uh, I think I can speak to uh, Goskowski. Uh, he was very much on the slide before he before he left us. Um, and as you know, as Nate said, it, he has had some good games, but the the glory days are behind him as a consistent kicker for sure. Uh, so your Falcons go down seventeen to twenty in LA against the Chargers. Uh, real bounce back game for the Chargers as they win with a last second field goal over the Falcons. Um, I mean, I thought the Falcons, who have been a bit resurgent in recent weeks, would probably win this, especially against the Chargers team that might be a little bit low on confidence. But, you know, they they did well, the Chargers. Um, I mean, despite that, uh, Russell Gage threw a beautiful touchdown, uh, 39 yards through the air. Stunning pass, wasn't it? Absolutely <laughs> stunning pass for someone who I don't who's, who he may never have thrown. I don't know whether he's thrown a pass touchdown pass in his career, but mm. what a throw! If it's his first one, well done, sir. Kudos to you, mate. Yeah, what I mean, a I throw thought, that was. That's a nice throw, Matty Ice. Um, <laughs> if it was Matty Ice, but obviously it wasn't. It's a it's a wide receiver by trade. So I was just at that point. I was just short. I'd benched him. Yeah. <laughs> with Julio. With, with with Julio being out, I thought oh, I'll pick him up. He might, I might, I might think last minute to put him in, and I left him and Valdez not, scanning. Not so Let let's not talk about fantasy football, seeing as my opponent is that smug pa- uh, Patriots fan right now. Yeah, I mean back to the game. Um, it wasn't a spectacle particularly. I mean it was it was competitive. Obviously it was really close. Went right down to the wire. Um, but it's probably not one that's going to live long in the memory. I think for the Falcons, Todd Gurley had another one of those games where he just didn't really show up. And Julio Jones missed out completely again. So, um, I mean, if we're talking fantasy, that was a unfortunate first-round pick for you this season, uh, Nate. You know, Shut up, <laughs> move on, get over it, toilet bowl boy. Um, but yeah, Chargers win. Good for, good, good, good for them. <laughs> yeah. I think they've been better than their record. Let's see where they go from there. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to the Colts, uh, putting up 44 points on the raid uh, against the Raiders, uh, winning 44 points to 27. Um, I've seen a lot of people like comparing the Colts and the Raiders at the points of the seasons they're at, around and about. And I just think the only similarity is the record wasn't identical, but the only similarity was the record. They were quite strange. They were quite sort of close points. But they're two very, very different sides. You know, in Indianapolis, a very physical side. They're very in-your-face. Whereas, I haven't seen a lot of Derek Carr, if I'm honest. 
he's got a bit of style about him with the way, but he just didn't have a very good day against a very, very clearly superior Colts defence. Um, on top of that, Jonathan Taylor continued to impress um, two touchdowns, um, several decent, decently long runs for first downs, including a blistering long run um, to escape three defenders literally all snapping at his heels and he went in for a touchdown. I read that it's the third time this season that he's hit speeds of over 21 miles an hour escaping defenders. That boy can move. If you're hitting 21 miles an hour, you can shift, mate. Um, I want to see more of that, definitely. Um, Kenny Moore, who up until the insane one-handed pick of Derek Carr hadn't had the best game. Solid, but you know he'd given up a couple of sloppy penalties at that point. Um, and then he picked up, picked, picked off uh, an almost certain touchdown pass to Waller um, in absolutely stunning fashion. Um, one-handed grab, and then um, which you know really opened up the game for Indy um, to go and to go and just run away with it. T.Y. Hilton, what a lad! I was writing him off a couple of few weeks ago, and I'm so so delighted he's proven me wrong because I absolutely love the bloke. Um, 86 yards two touchdown, and two touchdowns off of just five receptions you don't need to throw the ball to someone very often if they're going to put up about 100 yards and run into the end zone twice a game I'm quite I'm, I'm very happy with only seeing him sparingly through a game if he's going to keep putting that sort of, those sort of numbers up um, Waller who would I think would very very comfortably be the best tight end in the league at the moment if it wasn't for Travis Kelsey had a very quiet game for, by his standards um, 75 yards off of 7 catches you know which as tight ends go isn't a bad number but for Waller it's a low scoring game for him no touchdowns and interestingly the Colts haven't allowed a tight end um, more than 100 yards since 2016 um, and that was against Travis Kelsey uh, that is a hot streak that is a very good streak and the defence was only really getting getting to the point where they they are now in sort of two thousand late two thousand seventeen. Well not even late two thousand seventeen, in fact. Two thousand eighteen is when they really started to switch it on. So the fact that it goes back to two thousand sixteen is actually really <laughs> Yeah, I mean you were saying about Darren Waller having a, a quiet game, but you know, seventy five yards off seven is is good for a tight end. And let's be honest, would have been a touchdown if not for what is arguably one of the best interceptions I've seen this season? A, a, tu- a touchdown and twenty something yeah. yards more. So he'd have had a hundred yards, one touchdown game, which is very, very, very yeah. good for a touchdown. And the, I mean, the interception itself was was Odell Beckham esque. It was sort of all you know, very, very similar, very impressive, and um, very proper clutch. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you plays like that with your games and. Um, and to be honest, that is well sort of the springboard for for the Colts and the Colts defense to just sort of close the game out, really, from what looked like it was going to be a, a shootout back and forth. You know, they just shut it down from there on, really. Yeah, I mean, very quickly, um, there was also a uh, forced fumble recovered by the Colts shortly after, uh, or somewhere in the third, third quarter, sorry, um, which again just just nailed. Nailed down the Colts, um, Colts' superiority in this game, and it's made the playoff picture for the Colts much, much healthier. 
Will you take much from the injury to Costanzo? Do you think that will affect you in the last couple of games? Um, against Jacksonville and the Texans, no, we'll we'll beat both. Of, we should. I mean, if we don't beat both of those comfortably um, without Costanzo, that's a worry. Um, but uh, I don't know how long term it is. He's he's been he's been troubled with the injury for a couple of weeks now. He sort of he, I think he missed um, our win against whoever we played last. I can't. Well, I know. I think he, uh, the Texans. I think I think he missed out against the Texans last. Um, and I was worried that him coming back in was going to re-aggravate things, and and it seems to have done so. We will struggle in places against the um, against the uh, Steelers. Um, I just very quickly just want to add in um, about Braden Smith. Actually, um, he's he's allowed zero sacks so far for the year, and is well on course to to allow zero sacks for the year. Which, for any for any player in this league, is a is a proper stat. What a lad that boy is! Goes about his job really, really quietly, and yeah, I, I love that. I, lo- I love it. He's a, he's a, he was a very good pickup. Um, also, uh, Quentin Nelson was shifted out from guard um, to left tackle this week, and seemed to work. We had a better day on the offensive line than we did against the Texans. A quick note on the Raiders. Um, obviously, we've mentioned before that they're a bit of a perplexing team to predict and how they're going to do. I don't think many people expected the Raiders to, Raiders to win this one. Um, but sort of shout out to Nelson Aguilar, who sort of got trolled by Philadelphians um, everywhere, all around the world <laughs> uh, last season for um, dropping balls left, right and centre. Uh, you know, he even had firemen saying that he wouldn't have them catching babies outside of blocks of flats <laughs> um, because he'd drop them. Uh, you know, another hundred-yard game for him and a touchdown. You know, he sort of seems to have really sort of rebuilt his career in Vegas. Nice place to rebuild it, if I do say so myself. And uh, you know, I do still think the Raiders make the playoffs. They play the Broncos still, uh, and they still. They play the Dolphins. I'm not sure if they win that one, but they do play the Chargers. And I think 9-7 and seven probably sees them squeak into the playoffs. To move on again, uh, Texans 7, Bears 36. Uh, one of the more surprising scorelines across the weekend, despite the winner not really being that surprising. Um, we've said it before, but Sean Watson is is wasted in, in Houston. It's He's just so much better than the rest of that team. Um, no Houston player managed more than 56 yards in the game um, and no one with more than seven targets in what is now a pretty dire offensive operation. Um, Alan Robinson for the Bears got nine catches for just 30 yards less than Houston managed at all. Uh, the Bears had seven sacks, which is the most since 2005. Um, Khalil Mack difference maker for the Bears on defence and a problem for just about anyone really Yeah um, I, I don't really want to talk about this game it was the least surprising thing I've seen all all, 
all year. Um, the Texans only managing seven points. So we're not really going to talk about it either. Then I'll just back you up and say it's such a shame that Sean Watson is in such a hellhole. Um, please release him. Please get get him out of there because he deserves better. But moving on to a to a to a better game, a far better game. Um, Packers going to uh, Detroit and winning unsurprisingly again, but winning out thirty one points to twenty four against the Lions. Um, I was very impressed with Detroit sort of almost keeping pace with Green Bay. Um, they only it was only the third quarter in which they failed to register a score. And they actually matched Green Bay in all of the others. You know, they, they both scored seven points in the first quarter. Both scored seven points in the second quarter. Um, Green Bay scored seven points in the third quarter, and then they both scored ten in the third. And sorry, in the fourth quarter, um, the Packers managed thirty points a game without turning the ball over, which is the ninth time this season, which is the most since nineteen forty, which is a which is a hell of a stat. Um, Aaron Rodgers again. The guy is an absolute stud. The guy, he, I'd love him in Indy. Even now, I'd love him in Indy. If uh, if they want to move on next year, I'd quite happily take him off their hands. Um, although I'd prefer, I think I'd prefer Darnold because I think uh, obviously longevity wise, he's got a, Darnold in a good organisation. He's got a, got a bright future. Um, the Lions are a totally different team to Matt Patricia's. Absolutely. Dire operation. Um, I wonder what could have been for Detroit if they hadn't have started the year with that idiot in charge. I thought that you were looking like they could be a decent team this year, and um, you look at their roster and they've got some. They've got some actually very good players. Yeah, first like a missed opportunity, um, and Stafford unfortunately took a horrible hit, and like the sort of hit that I've seen Tony Romo take too many times and end up with a broken collarbone or, or something along that um, back problem um, or something like that I've, yeah I've seen rumours in the last in the last day that uh, the Lions are going to be moving on from Matthew Stafford in the summer the Lions are in a weird situation they don't they're not winning um, and so then but they're not they're not going to have a great pick are they no either so so they're not going to they're not going to I don't well, the quarter, I don't think the court I don't think there's much depth in quarterbacks this year in the, in the draft, draft is there from what I can work out, there's kind of two potentially elite guys and a bunch of backups. Uh, who's that guy that was on um, QB1? Um, sort of a strange-looking guy. No offence, mate, obviously. <laughs> if you're listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he will be our single-viewed listener from the States. Um, oh, um, twenty twenty one. Spencer Rattler. Is the guy that I was referring oh, to? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, was Matt Patricia a uh, Patriots guy before going to the uh, Yes, yeah, uh, defensive coordinator. Oh, I'm so glad he fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to the Saints um, and the Eagles. Oh no, hang on. Uh, yeah, no, it is Saints and Eagles, Adam. Great. I love talking about uh, successful NFC East teams. Um, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> uh, I mean. I would be lying if I said that I watched this game uh, back to front, uh, but you know it's clear to see that uh, Jalen Hurts impressed in his first start, first win, 100 yards rushing game as well. Um, you know that's something that Carson Wentz didn't ever add all that much of with his legs. However, especially since he had that really bad injury in his rookie season, he has really scaled that back in recent years. 
I can't say I blame him, but it's definitely not helped the team win. Um, I think with the Saints, you know, they are a little bit one-dimensional with Taysom Hill. He is a backup. We have to remember this. You know, he is good with his legs. He's below average with his arm. And, you know, because of that, there's, it's going to work really well with, against some teams, not so well against others. And the Eagles' defense has actually been sort of sneaky all right this year. It's been more, you know, if you look at their defensive record, it's more that Carson Wentz was you know, fumbling, intercepting, you know, throwing interceptions and what have you. Uh, so I think that the Saints were probably due a loss with uh, Taysom Hill under centre. However, I really didn't expect it necessarily to be against this Eagles team. It's not where I'd been putting my money before the They've game. Got, they have tougher games coming up, haven't they? Uh, the Saints. The Saints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then, I mean, back on the Eagles, they were so banged up at the beginning of the year. You know, they've had Zach Ertz come back. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, um, I wasn't sure if he was actually still an eagle um scored a touchdown this week i don't know if it was his first game back or one of his first ones back um and you know they could still win the nfc east and yeah i mean i'll talk a little bit more about uh carson wentz and the quarterback situation in a minute if you like if you guys want to wade in on this actual game sure um yeah i'll i was impressed with jalen hurts um without being like utterly blown away um he looked very comfortable taking off and running with the ball i believe he ran for over 100 yards um which you know which is which is good, which is good for the lad um uh he's he 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 looks comfortable sitting sitting under center um and throwing he's not panicky under pressure which this season's polar opposite of carson wentz um the saints the saints went off in the second half but just couldn't quite get caught up i think they just didn't know what to expect from um, from Hertz and the Philly offense, and were just taken aback by it. They sort of got going towards the end of the second quarter, um, but it was sort of too little, too late. Um, uh, the Saints, um, yeah, I don't know what to make. I don't, I don't know what to make of the Saints. Every time I think they're going to win a game, they seem to lose, and every time I think, oh, they might struggle here, they they went out sort of comfortably. What do you reckon, Dean? You've got some thoughts on the Saints? Yes, it's difficult for them. I mean, they need Drew Brees back just to to reclaim that identity. I think with the way they are at the moment, they just feel like they're in transition. With you know, as I said last week, with no sort of slated return for for Drew Brees, they're having to open up the playbook for Taysom Hill. The only problem is is that he's then having to adjust to that too. And, you know, having Taysom Hill packages where it's sort of one read and then off he goes with his legs is is all well and good. But now it's got to become more complete. And I think that's where they're starting to struggle. They just, yeah, just I think, need him breathe back, like I say. And if, if they're not going to do that, give it to Alvin Kamara. I mean, you've got a pro Bowl running back who had 11 carries that, you know, just never had a chance to get going. Yeah, I mean it's interesting with Hill and Kamara. Um, I'm not clicking. He's he's had less than a hundred yards from scrimmage in Tate's three starts this year, which is um, which is weird because up until that point the guy was absolutely steaming, absolutely just rolling. Um, it's very weird. Um, the Saints um, the Saints haven't allowed a hundred yards 
uh, Russia for three years. Um, and they've allowed um, two in a single game. And that's the first time two players have had more than 100 yards against them since 1980. That's a streak. It's a long time ago. It's a long, it's a long time ago. It, 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 I mean, it predates all three of us, doesn't it? Um, Alan, you're going to drop a bit of a hot take. Your hot take of the week. What? Um, and and a nomination, and your, and your nomination for Dad of the Week yeah. as well. And we're letting you have. We're letting you have yeah, it. Yeah, it's a real. Um, <laughs> I'm really having my own way on this game. Um, yeah, so <laughs> my, my nomination this week for uh, Dad of the Week, um, you know, player that just didn't turn up, didn't uh, help his team win. Uh, literally. literally, yeah. I mean, I've I, I taken it a bit of a different way to you know Player of the Week. Uh, my Dad of the Week is Carson Wentz. You know, I, I think that this game really showed that Jalen Hurts has a good future in this league. I know it's only one game, small sample size, all that sort of stuff. But this, as you say, this is a Saints defense that doesn't mess around. And, you know, he came out, he you know, looked confident, played with a Eagles team, which is, can't be playing with a lot of confidence prior to him getting the starting job. And, you know, one of the biggest wins, probably the biggest win they'll have this season and probably one of the biggest wins that, well, I was going to say in the division, actually, but Washington and um, uh, the Giants have just had a, a couple of good wins. But, um, you know, it's definitely a landmark win for them. So, yeah, my other week is that Carson Wentz, as a result of this, I can't see him getting the starting job back unless Jalen Hurts gets injured, which obviously uh, no one's hoping for. And it sort of real shows the decline that's happened in Philadelphia for Carson Wentz since that injury a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, there's, there's been a lot of talk about, um, particularly since you know they 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 dropped they dropped him from being the starter, and there's been a lot of talk about him being traded away somewhere. I just don't see anybody taking that after the after this year. I don't see anybody taking that contract. It's a hell of a lot. It's a hell of a lot of money to pick up on someone who's had such a dreadful year. Maybe a fresh sheen is seen as what he needs. Yeah, and I just worry. I just I do worry about the guy. I I, I think he's he, he all may he may already be past his best. Which was he twenty seven? That's not good. Am I right in saying he's never had a playoff win? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Jared Goff before. He's on a a bit of a whopper of a contract as well. But you know, he's taken. A team to a Super Bowl. Um, uh, you know, it was a bold punt by the Eagles to stick by him, and you know, we have seen good things from Carson Wentz, but that year, uh, that, that seems quite a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was just going to say, I mean, my hot take of the week is that, you know, I was super impressed with Jalen Hurts, and I actually could see the Eagles going undefeated for the rest of the season. I think the Saints, the it's the best team that they were going to be playing, um, and that's I mean that's not a shock because uh, they're hell of a team, aren't they? Um, What's their schedule? Uh, their schedule is they play the Cardinals next um, in Philadelphia, I believe. Um, so yeah, they play the Cardinals. I think you know we just talked they've been a bit, a bit rocky in recent weeks. I think they probably get the Cardinals at an okay time. You know they're not trying to force for that bounce back. Um, they then play the Cowboys. I've got no confidence the Cowboys beating the Eagles. 
uh, and then they finish up against Washington, which, to be honest, could be the the decider in the division, which feels like a, feels crazy that we wouldn't we wouldn't have been talking. About. I I <laughs> yes. actually think I actually think they're as I think I actually think they're as likely to go um, two and one as two was as one and two in that streak. I think I would I would be surprised if they managed to beat the Cardinals. Um, I think with uh, Kyler seemingly back in a little bit of form and um, that ridiculous dude it's in again um, I think they've got a good chance of uh, shutting, shutting Philly down but you know every time I say the Cardinals are going to win they lose so you know whatever there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a coin yeah, isn't it those last three games really yeah I just think that you know they're sh- going to show something different on offence than they have done for a very long time um, and I think you see it when quarterbacks get drafted you know, they may not necessarily be as accomplished as they can be in a couple of years time when they've had a bit more NFL experience but they add that element of oh, what's their tendencies how are they going to play this how's the playbook changing with this guy so uh, I think that there's an opportunity there to win all three uh, probably the Washington one would be the one that I'd be most cautious on Lee. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely definitely a chance that they lose to, to Washington. Probably more of a chance that they lose to Washington than the Cards. Um, and you know, they should batter the Cowboys re- realistically. Um, right, just moving moving forward and having a quick look at next week. Um, we've dropped so well, we've dropped the pick six um, just because we want to give a little bit more time to the games that have been and just give a little tiny sort of preview of what we think about the, the upcoming weeks. We've dropped the pick six. Um, but obviously we've added in a few little bits with like the game of the week and the player of the week, dad of the week, whatever. Um, but next week, um, we've got three divisional matchups um, and all three of them have uh, playoff implications with uh, Indy. With the, uh, the Colts hosting the Texans, uh, Miami hosting New England and the Raiders hosting the Chargers. Um, elsewhere, a slightly resurgent um, Lions team heads south to Nashville and probably gets steamrolled. Um, Kansas City um, go to New Orleans in what could be a potential early look at this super this season's Super Bowl matchup. Um, and can the Steelers stop the rot against the bruised, battered, and bewilderingly poor Bengals side? What do you think, boys? I think this is a weird-looking week. I think a few weeks ago, we looked at the games and thought, oh, there's some real, you know, massive games here. You know, real could be really close, or a point here, point there. Uh, I think this is a really odd week in that I think there's a significant favoured team in almost all the games. Most games, yeah. In almost all the games, except for that probably Chiefs-Saints one. Um, what what game stands out for you two? Cause I mean, it's got, it's got to be Chiefs-Saints, really, I, I think. It's the one everyone's. It's the one everyone's going to be watching, you know. Top top of the AFC, top of the NFC. It's like, you know, I, don't, I think like as you as you said, potential sort of early season look at or earlier season look at the at the possible Super Bowl matchup. Um, I don't I don't, I don't think that'll be a surprise to anybody if it turns out to be an absolute an absolute banger of a game. It's probably going to be a dud now, isn't it? Adam, what do you reckon? Um, I think one that could be interesting, not necessarily game of the week, but what could be quite intriguing is 
Falcons Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers haven't been firing in all cylinders in recent weeks. Uh, Falcons are, and the Falcons certainly haven't. Well, you know, they've been better since they made the head coach change. You know, they, lo- they lost a bit of a squeaker last week. I think that the Buccaneers definitely aren't invincible, and the Falcons maybe get them at a good time. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was going to think of an upset, I'm not actually sure there's that many upsets on the cards personally. I would probably look at a game like I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a real odd week. It's it's a really it's it's not the most inspiring week. I, I'm hopeful that the games are better than I probably am hyping them up right now. And then and the Falcons and the and the Bucks actually play each other twice in the last three games as well, which could sort of shape shape that division somewhat as well. Patriots Dolphins also might be an intriguing one. Yeah, I think the Patriots. Will, um, I think the Patriots will score more than three this week. You'd be surprised, wouldn't you? Although the, the Dolphins have been good on defense, yeah. like you said. Yeah. So you know, it's not. You, you it's might not... be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we'll get to see Stidham finally in the plenty of garbage time when they're, you know, when they're thirty points down. I'd like, I'd like to see him start. To be honest, I'd like to see Jarrett Stidham start. I think. I think yeah. about time if if the season's gone and and we're not making the playoffs, which is yeah, then then it's it's time to actually see what he's got, and and well, there's no no sort of better game to throw a guy in at the deep end than a divisional game, so yeah, why not? Yeah, brilliant. All that's left for me to do is thank you to both for joining me. Cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers for joining us. Thanks for having us. No worries. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. We'll see you next week for week 15.